Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. My name is Todd Perry, and I'm a staff writer at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from the podcast. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. How's it going, Allison? Good. How are you doing, Todd Perry? I'm good. You know, whenever people ask me that, I always think of like when old people say, you know, any day above ground is a good one. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and I just think that I, just, I think that about... Uh, every Friday, because so, sorry guys, we don't record the show at midnight on Saturday in the morning. We rec- we're live when they put on their earbuds or whatever. We're inside their earbuds, talking to them, doing the show directly for them, <laughs> for them, for you. <laughs> but I just say, you know, any day where I get to sit and uh, do this show with you, you know, just like any day above ground, you never know. You, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Anytime we have the opportunity to do this show, it is a wonderful day for me. So happy that we're doing it today. Same. I am always delighted to see you on a Saturday morning at exactly the time that they are listening. And don't you dare let them think it's any other time, Todd Perry, crusher of dreams. Don't you think it's weird, though, when, say, it's like a Friday night, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night. You're just getting ready to go to bed. And then you, we get the little bell that we have to do the show. And then, and then, we re- and then we're like, oh, no. We have to no. get out of bed. Yeah, we have to get out of bed. It's cold. And then you realize, yeah. like, oh, no, they're, list- they're doing that show from uh, September. We got to remember that one. And then we have, like, our scripts. And we sit and look at them. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. And I'm like, and I always say, Allison, all right, big energy. No Jeb today. No low energy. We want full out. And you're like, okay. And then, yeah. but you get in and you do it. And every time. And then it's like people pause the show. And then yeah, we're yeah, like. I have to pause. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. Or sometimes they'll take us with them from the house into their car. Oh. And then we just have to randomly start, start, you know, recreating a different episode. Oh, I don't know why that happens, but sometimes it does happen. When you take us from your house to the car, we just do a different episode. Or sometimes we get the feeling that they fell asleep and just left the show running. Yes. And so all night, and then we just start screwing with them, and then they don't, that's mm-hmm. how we know when they're asleep, or then we'll, we'll just start saying weird stuff, like, you'll start calling me Allison, and I'll start calling you Todd, and then I'll be like, yeah. oh my God, me and Daniel... And then uh, you'll see, like, oh, he's going to get hit with an anvil. And then mm-hmm, that's we, right. we mix them, yeah. and that's how we know they're asleep, so then we can go to sleep. <laughs> that's right, when we start getting silly. Speaking of sleeping, you know, do you, are, you, are you on the White Lotus train, Todd Perry? I was on for the first season. I saw it. I thought it was great. And then I actually heard someone say the second season's actually better. It's so, I can't, I can't be sure which one's better. I loved the first season. I loved the second season. I fell asleep during the finale. And that is only because I have two small children and I am not good at managing my time and I'm just tired all the time uh, and I don't get enough sleep. But anyway, I fell asleep during the finale, but like I woke up enough to know what happened. So Mm -hmm. I've got the broad strokes, but there's these gaps in the middle. And so like three or four times, Daniel and I have tried to watch it and I keep falling asleep at the same spot. 
And for him, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. Like, we're never getting past. I mean, he's seen it all. But now on the rewatch, like, we're never getting past a certain (laughs) spot. I don't know if I should even try at this point or if I should just accept that there will always be gaps in my understanding of the finale. Mm, mm. Well, no, you can't do that with a finale. You have to eventually I know. watch it in the morning, have a cup of coffee, like give the kids oh, something. Oh, that's a good to, idea. Like, I don't know, some yeah. shaving cream to play with or whatever. Like, if you mm-hmm. just put like shaving... Some thumbtacks? Yeah, it, you just put it on the table and let them go at it. Uh, and then you just <laughs> sit down and... You, and you like hold each other's hands and make sure they stay awake or get like a fly swatter to like whack them, you know, or whatever they hit it's, you with in church. I think a, a Bible. Um, oh, yeah. It never, two things. It never even occurred to me to conceivably watch this show in the morning. I mean, this is like, talk about eye opening. And two, I love the idea that <laughs> spraying some shaving cream on the table is going to keep my kids occupied. You've never done that? Has this worked for you? No. Oh, yeah. You have done this? Yeah. You, well, you got to get the white, like, foamy stuff, not the gel. Sure. No, I know. I'm I'm envisioning all the f- shaving cream that my dad used when I was growing up. It's At a certain point, he switched to gel, but growing up, he was a white foam guy. Yeah. I, I'm a gel guy, but I would buy, like, the, the Barbasol, like, the can that, right. like, it, it, like, rusts on Looks the bottom. Like a- Mm-hmm. Yes, and it leaves a rust ring. Sure. Yeah, and then you just put something down on the table, and then you uh, you do that in front of the kid, and they'll just sit and play in it like it's snow. Wow, I had no idea. I mean, it really, it really is like I feel like it's like throwing down a bunch of ribbon for cats or something. I as as is very clear if you know like i don't have a we don't have cats so i don't know if cats enjoy ribbons i imagine they would though and i hope that's not dangerous for them to play with ribbons or whatever it feels like throwing down a bunch of like scraps of paper for a dog yeah it's like that but for children and then you can go go watch your show (laughs) and last thing because on today's show we're going to talk about the most uh some of the most popular and engaging stories on upworthy Upworthy.com uh, from the week of December 12th to the 16th. But one last thing, talking about the this is a memory I had not thought of in a long time, and I, I just got to get this out. Um, Please. Speaking of the shaving cream with the little, uh, you said how the it leaves a ring on yes. on, on on top of the uh, bathroom countertop. Well, I was moving out of an apartment I had in Redondo Beach with my wife before we bought our first house, and. My wife had left a thing of shape like women's shaving cream, which I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. What's the difference between maybe um, one's not for your face? I don't know. Uh, it it smells like fruit sometimes, and it costs thirty percent more. Yep, exact the pink tax. Yeah, exactly. I know about that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my wife had the shaving cream in there, and it left a ring, and so like after we moved out of the a- apartment. I got a bill from the landlord and for two hundred and seventy dollars, and that's an expensive ring. And said, "quote There was nicotine stains in the shower." Oh, oh wow! And I was like, "Sir, first of all, how do you smoke in the shower?" <laughs> I know who who does that. And like, I I, just, I smoked in what like. What in one round spot? It's so confusing. Yeah, and I go. You know what? I'll come back and I'll wash it off. 
And I came back and I just like, scrubbed real quick. All the rest was gone. Totally uh-huh. fine. So anyway, let's Did get Did you up. instantly know what it was? Yes. Sorry. And it was my, my wife You did knew it, what it was way, right you know? away. Yeah, no, I know. I just if I if I had heard that I'd left nicotine stains in the shower, <laughs> which is so preposterous, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, I would not. I don't know that I would instantly think, oh, he's. They're talking about that ring that I left. So that's what. I, that's why I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. I I knew what it was, but you okay. Knew. Looks like time to play the intro for your first show. Are you ready, Alice? Ready, ready. <laughs> And now, the Wednesday Adams of Upworthy, Allison Rosen. Why in the world we even chose her for this show remains to be seen. Take it away, Princess of Darkness. Children, what are you doing? I'm going to electrocute her. Sunny and positive presence. I that theme song makes no sense. Anyway, here are thirteen bizarre dreams people say they've had over and over. Uh, and so, evidently, recurring dreams are a pretty common thing. Uh, most recur, not all, but most recurring dreams are somewhat negative, and uh, usually they deal with uh, an unresolved challenge or an unmet need. That's sort of what the dream is working out. So, here are some odd. Uh, Although really not that odd, I recognize a, n- a number of them, but, you know, arguably odd dreams that uh, people say they have over and over. We're not going to do all 13, but we'll do, you know, a decent chunk of them. Yeah. Um, one, what? I said, yeah, like, cool. Like, I was agreeing oh, with okay. you. Like, hey, like, <laughs> preach on, daddy-o, cat. <laughs> See, you, you just can't. Right on. You yeah. can't deal with no, new glad you're... hip Todd, you know, changing it up <laughs> on the show here. Um. For the younger kids that listen, got to get that younger demo up on the show. Yes. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm i all about this new guy that I'm now doing the show with. I'm glad you're picking up when I'm laying down, hip Todd. Okay. Uh, the, the dream where you have to take an exam and you realize you forgot to attend class all semester. Mm. Uh, there was This one is so common that there was a Washington Post article about it, and they theorize that it is about being tested in some way, um, the anxiety of not being prepared or measuring up. I have a, a um, permutation of this one. I have a dream where I suddenly realize that I haven't been going to class all semester but uh, it's not—it's not the nervousness of the test that's about to come up. It's that oh no, I—I'm like, I didn't get credit for this class, and like I'm in trouble because what am I going to do? I—it is—it is a not being prepared, but it's not specifically sitting down for the test. It's more like, how did I forget that I was enrolled in this class? It, it's very similar. What about you? Do you have this one? I, I have this one, but the thing is, it's not hypothetical. It's more of a memory. Oh, you had this? Of like, oh, I just showed up in, you know, at the final and didn't attend class oh. the whole year, which was kind of like how I treated college. So it's more like a direct memory of, oh, man, I haven't been to class in three weeks. I th- how, did it, how did it work out for you? Was it as bad as we all imagine it would be? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and you walk in, you, what's going on? Um, 
Yeah, or I I can I continuously have the dream where I've got like two more classes to go to graduate, mm-hmm. but I don't know what they are because like the line is so long at the student yeah. union that like I could just never get in to talk to a counselor. So I don't know and so that's like oh it's going to be another 6 months cuz you don't know what classes and this keeps right. going on and then I'll wake up and I'll be like really upset that I'm still in college at 45. <laughs> and and then um and then I'm like oh wait, I graduated. Like Oh, we actually have a diploma that says that. And then I'll get this like warm feeling of like, I did it. And then, yeah. So that's, that's the good part. It's funny how often we all still dream about school. Mm -hmm. Such a, a a loaded, uh, loaded thing for, in, in all of our psyches. Okay. Another one, a very common recurring dream is like a frustration dream. So not being able to dial a phone, not being able to read a book, not being able to arrive where you're trying to go. Mm. I have the phone one a lot. Um, like there's some sort of urgent situation and I'm like trying to dial and I just, my fingers keep hitting the wrong keys. Um, another common one is losing your teeth. Uh, I have this one as well. It can be dealing with loss. It can be concerns about well-being. It can be fear of being criticized. I had heard it's um, a dream about uh, infantilization too, like a situation that makes you feel young or maybe not feeling old enough. Um, Or I had also heard, now I'm going off book. This is not in the story. But I had heard that like teeth can represent aggression. So I I don't know. It seems like teeth can represent a lot of different things. Um, but then also I used when I used to wear retainers, which I think of my orthodontist, I don't even know if he's still alive, but if he is, he would wish that I still wore them. You're supposed to wear them for the rest of your life, which they never, ever tell you when you're a teenager. Um, but I think also sometimes I would have the dream that my teeth were coming out when I was wearing my retainers and it was just a like my mouth it feels dry and uncomfortable. Like a, it was just a response to stimulus. Do you have this one? No, I have the, yeah, like my teeth are kind of decaying. Like I've got like meth Mm. mouth or something. Yeah. That like, and it, but it, to me, it feels like it's a symbol of some sort of internal rot Mm. that's manifesting in the teeth. Like, you know, not that I am a meth user, but like if someone was a meth user, like the first symptoms or or a symptom that they're not uh, very healthy is that their, their teeth begin to go, right? And so right. I think it's like that. When I get that thing, it's like oh, I'm trying to eat something, and then my teeth are kind of falling out. Yes, um, that's a yes, stress. Yes, I've had right. I've had like dreams where it's like corn niblets are just, but it's my teeth. <laughs> but it, this is this is like handfuls of corn niblets, and I'm just like pulling them out of my mouth. Okay, uh, here's a, a happy dream. You find a whole new room. Uh, or a whole like a whole wing of your house or apartment or a new room that you didn't know about. That one, I love that dream. Yeah. Do you ever have that one? Yeah, I've had that one, and it's like, yeah, there's something in there that's like, like it's like full of like cool instruments, or it's full yeah. of something that like I really want. This is usually a positive dream. Not, yes, I don't I go in there and it's like a, a torture chamber, or <laughs> filled with all the teeth that came out in other dreams. <laughs> I, I go in there and it's like you know my house when i was seven and my sister and mom are screaming at each other or something you know it's a usually very positive place but then once you leave and you try to go back you can't find it you don't know where it is in your house oh yeah i i haven't had that um i remember this i never had this one recurring but it was like I can still remember the like the bestest dreams I had when I was a little kid. And one of them was in the back of my closet. There were three doors. 
and one went to an elevator. Yeah. One went to an escalator. Yeah. And tell how old I was based on the fact that it was like one escalator. Oh my gosh. And one went to like a roller coaster. Oh, that's fun. Talk about, yeah. I mean, a roller coaster in the back of your closet. It was a real like Narnia plus type situation. Um, Okay, another common dream, which I don't have this one, thankfully, uh, is being chased. Mm. I usually don't, no. I mean, I might have it where sometimes like the police are chasing Mm me, you know, and so that's a little scary, but I don't have that too much. Uh, you know, you're talking about like the things that you're, like you're trying to dial a number on a phone and you can't seem to do it. I have this dream where I'm trying to get to Disneyland. Oh. But I can't find it. It's like I keep driving, like I, I went the wrong way. It's like, you know, whenever mm-hmm. I'm driving in Orange County, everything kind of looks the same. So I don't know. And it's like I'm driving around. And I just can't find Disneyland. It gets later and later. And then it's like, well, are we really going to pay 120 bucks to be there for like an hour? You know? <laughs> more than that now i think actually maybe you're right yeah um yeah yes i i have dreams of like it's just too late it's too, you're too late for things um one that's not on this list <clears throat> excuse me but a recurring dream that i've had is like a recurring driving dream where i'll be driving and then suddenly the road it'll almost get like jetson style like the road will sort of lift up and twist around and i'll think like i don't know that my car is going to be able to stay on this road and sometimes the steering wheel entirely will snap off oh oh and then you get like this feeling of weightlessness do you get that no that sounds cool this is no, more this of is a scary anxiety dream this is a, yeah. this is oh. like Oh. I'm out of control, and the car is whipping over, and then like right before it flips over because you're going too mm. steep, like you wake up. Yeah, no, I haven't had that, but that sounds bad. Yeah, it sounds scary. I have reoccurring dreams about two things, and I've had them mm. my entire life. A, and I've talked about this before, uh, the Elephant Man. After, as a kid, I saw a picture of the Elephant Man, and it really scared the living crap out of me. And even though I've now seen the movie a million times and really love the film, I still have dreams of, like, the Elephant Man, like, comes into my my room at night. Like, you know when you're half awake and you see, like, a shadow? My brain goes to, oh, it's the Elephant Man again. He's back in the house. I told Elephant Man to stay out. Uh, I I, I care for him, but he he freaks me out. Um, Mm. Maybe some kind of fear of deformity. I don't know. And then I have my second one is a reoccurring dream where I keep finding myself at Marineland that I did my whole documentary podcast on marinelandpodcast.com. LA's own wow. Marineland on wherever you get podcasts. But I always find myself back at the Marine Park. And that's part of some weird thing where I think when I was four, I saw like the whales there and it was traumatizing. And so my, my mind is just reliving this that's thing. That's so interesting. Always. My friend Greg. Yeah. My friend Greg dreams about lobsters all the time. He has like constant recurring lobster dreams. His wife is a therapist and he's in therapy. Um and he oh, I'm trying to remember. He was a regular on my show. This is Greg Heller, uh, a regular on Alice Rosen's new best friends. So any listeners of that show might remember what it turned out that those lobster dreams were cuz now I'm forgetting, but he had oh. some ideas about like it represents X, Y, Z, but I can't remember. I feel like maybe it represented like money or something. Oh, that's Is weird. that right? Like opulence or his, yeah. But I don't, but it was it was deeper than that. Or maybe that's not what it is. 
you know, I feel like it had something to do with his dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have brought it up because was, this really went nowhere. His dad lobster was Lobster part. Boy. Yes, exactly. Never saw that movie. Uh, interesting thing is, so I'm not plugging. I'm just bringing this up here. What's this Dow all about? A podcast I did a long time about Eastern philosophy. My co-host, Dr. Carl Totten, he would always talk about how dreams provide the next level of evolution for humanity. Ooh. Which sounds like some new agey BS, but here's how he rationalized it. So it's like we have, you know, we evolved due to like, you know, Darwinian struggles, right? Due to like survival of the fittest and, you know, everybody knows how that works, right? But also humans evolve because of uh, solar rays, right? Like the kind of radiation that comes from the sun actually changes mm-hmm. our DNA. So we'll get weird formations, right? And then that'll lead to changing the species slowly. Or it gives new options, right, uh, right. For, for genetic selection. Third, he said, was dreams, because dreams we cannot control. And dreams are ideas that are just kind of randomly show up in our mind that we'll remember and we will bring into reality. Hmm. Because even if Interesting. He, like, even it, it, it still changes your mental formation and you're a different person the next day, right? Like, yeah. Have you ever had that dream where, like, you have, like, a... I don't know, a coworker or someone you go to school with and you have I a, know what you're gonna say. like a weird romantic dream about them. Yeah. I knew you were gonna say this, yes. And it's some, And then you suddenly feel that way towards them. Yes. And even if it's like somebody that in no way you thought about that way. Yeah. But after yes. you play that out in a dream, you start looking at them funny the, the next day, and you're like, I maybe this is I a never thing. don't have I never don't have that experience. I oh that I have that experience all the time, but here's what I always wonder. And maybe Darl Darl, Darl Carl Totten, Dr. Carl Totten would have something to say about this. What I always wonder is, do I have these feelings about the person suddenly because they showed up randomly in my dream? Or did they show up randomly, quote unquote, in my dream because some part of me had these feelings about mm. them? Because the dream came out of your <clears throat> your own mind, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, what I've read is basically a dream is just your brain trying to make sense and like defrag from the day, like, you know? Like when we used to have computers, and yet when we used to have computers, before they were imprinted <laughs> in remember, our brain. Remember those old days. Remember those. No. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sorry. I'm speaking from the future again. <laughs> future Todd. Hi. The new hip. The new hip <laughs> he's, Todd. He's so cool. Yeah, I've been to the future, Allison. There's no computers there. But the. Uh, <laughs> But you used to have to like defrag it, right? And so that it would yes. like resort out all the memory. And I always say, thought as dreams is you're defragging things and, and you're, re- you're sorting all your memories. You're putting everything back in order. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the playing right. of that, you're conscious of it. But that still doesn't quite explain why you might suddenly have a romantic dream about someone that you weren't aware that you might have feelings about prior yeah, that's true because if it was just a defragging, like random people or like some type of thing you're not normal, like I've never had that, like I'm a straight man, but I've never had a dream like that and it was like a dude or like right. someone a- who is a way different age that I wouldn't normally be attracted to or like it, it would be someone within the ballpark, yeah. you know? Right. If it was purely random, it would be purely random. Yeah. Huh. Mm, something to think about.
Now, some people may be thinking this is my new intro. <laughs> I am. <laughs> but it is not, although it should be. Sorry, sorry. Enough AM gold for now. But the reason I play that is that was the theme song to The Spy Who Loved Me, the 1977 James Bond film, which was the best by Roger Moore, who is also my favorite James Bond. Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com if you have a problem with that. I know. I got to get an email that just says no, or just says Sean Connery from our our one listener that just sends one word replies to my questions. (laughs) And I'm always wrong, by the way. So, (laughs) Daniel Craig. George Lazenby. So uh, I was just playing that song. Was I think I think probably the best Bond song. Uh, I don't know, Allison. I feel like you haven't watched a lot of James Bond movies in your life because I've never heard you reference one. Right. When I introduced myself, I didn't say Rosen, Allison Rosen. Uh-huh. I don't ever say shaken, not stirred. No. And um, and that's the extent of my Bond references. So you would be right. I could name some movies, but I haven't seen them. So I don't have a favorite Bond. But I feel like Roger Moore, is he the original? Uh, or was, is it this George Lazenby that I've not heard of? You know, it was uh, Sean Connery was the original. And then, oh. And then he wanted too really? much money. Yeah. Sean Connery from in- the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. yeah, no, I know who that is. Sure. She talks in her sleep. Um, <laughs> the uh, and, and so, but then and then Sean Connery, after like six films, wanted too much money, and got into a fight with the producers. So they hired a male model, George Lazenby, who did it for like one oh. movie. And actually, the movie's pretty good. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. not that great as Bond. And then uh, Connery came back. And then it was Roger Moore for like seven movies. But Moore is like the 70s Bond. So he's like slightly the bell-bottomy Bond. And, That's who I want to see. Right. And he's like way kind of, he's kind of making fun of the character guy at the same time. Like he's, he's, he's right. like the tongue-in-cheek. He's the funny Bond, you know? Okay. So, That's my Bond then yeah. too. And he's 70, so he's great. But anyway, so, but also he was a great humanitarian who was, who did a whole bunch of like... Uh, great work for like UNICEF and uh, a guy who seemed like, you know, he played James Bond, like the tough guy, but was actually like this peace advocate and the whole bit. So he's kind of not who you think he is. But anyway, so there's a story on Upworthy this week. Uh, it was about a thing went viral on Twitter where a guy talked about how he ran into Roger Moore at an airport when the, the guy was like seven years old. And it was when he was playing James Bond. And so the guy's named Mark Haynes, and he shared this amazing story. He said, uh, as a seven-year-old in about 1983, which is when the film Octopussy came out, in the days before the first-class lounges at airports, I was with my granddad, and I saw Roger Moore sitting at the departure gate reading a paper. My grandpa had no idea who James Bond or Roger Moore were, so he walked over and he popped in front of Roger Moore with the words, my grandson says you're famous. Can you sign this? And, and hands him the airport, airplane ticket, which I'm sure people love hearing. 
I hear you're famous. <laughs> sign the, right. you know. Uh, but Moore was quick to ask the child's name and sign the back of the plane ticket with, quote, a fulsome note of best wishes. So Haynes admitted that he was ecstatic at the time, but then when he sat down to look at it, it was signed Roger Moore, not James Bond. So my granddad looks at it and he figures out it says Roger Moore, and I have no idea who Roger Moore is, and my heart (laughs) sinks. So I tell my granddad that he signed the wrong name. So granddad goes back to Roger Moore and says, I'm sorry, but you signed the wrong name. So now Roger Moore, he crinkles up his face, and then it kind of dawns on him what happened. So he motions to bring the kid over and gets down on his level and says, he, he goes, I have to sign my name as Roger Moore because otherwise, Blofeld, who's like the bad guy in a lot of Bond movies, might find out I was here. So And, and he asked him not to tell anybody if someone asked them if they've, quote, seen James Bond. Thank you for keeping the secret. So then his uh, his granddad asked him if he signed James Bond, and he said, no, no, no. I'm actually working with James Bond now. <laughs> which was which is like the ultimate cool move by Roger Moore. You yeah. Know? Um, and then later in the story, he ends up meeting Roger Moore when he's like 30 and tells him the story, and then Roger Moore does a similar joke again. He's like, well, I don't remember, but, you know. So that is, that's very cool with somebody having fun with the idea that they're James Bond versus being like, oh, God, another guy with the James right. Bond thing. That's so sweet. How did this, did he explain how he ended up meeting him when he was 30? Yeah, they were, he was working on like a UNICEF campaign that Roger Moore was oh, okay. doing. But it reminded me of, also I was watching this thing this week on, it was about like a, tribute to Gilbert Gottfried, I guess. And um Oh yeah. And, and Jason Alexander was on it. And I guess he had, you know, he said back when he started Seinfeld and was getting noticed for it, he was talking with William Shatner. And William Shatner, who also had a hard time being Captain Kirk his whole life, eventually came around to it and said, look, ninety nine point nine nine percent of people don't get one thing in life like that. And you've got one and embrace it and love it and realize the joy you can give to other people because of it. And so it changed Jason Alexander's opinion on being like, oh, God, someone's yelling some George line at me, you know, from across the street. But this story reminded me, and I I don't know if, I I probably told this story on the show, so stop me if you've heard this one before. But it reminded me when I was 14 and I was at a golf course and I saw Chris Farley and he had just I don't think I've heard this. Yeah, he had just started at SNL and so I don't think a ton of people were probably approaching him kind of thing. But like I was a kid who like taped SNL every week and like watched every episode five times or whatever. So I knew exactly who he was. And so he was in golf, like you go to the first tee to tee off and start your hole. And the people who aren't in your group kind of wait back until it's your turn. So he was like two groups ahead of me, and I saw him, and I was like, <gasps> and I went to my dad, like, that's that's the guy from Saturday Night Live, oh my God, and my dad, you know, 
probably stopped watching when John Belushi left or whatever. Hadn't you know? <laughs> eh, whatever. These new people on the show, it's not funny anymore, you know. Um, and so then I I had my golf card and I had a little golf pencil and I walked up to him and I said, "Oh, Chris, could you sign my?" And he was like, "Oh, just big as everybody says, Chris Farley, like Aww. a big." You know, just lovable. Oh, hey, buddy, thank you. You know, and doing the whole bit. And he was just so super nice. And then he points to his, his buddy sitting like a New York Giants hat. And he goes, you see that over there? That's Opera Man. Because Adam Sandler just started oh, wow. at the same time. But he wasn't quite as known, I think, right off the bat kind of thing. And But I knew, of course, I was like, oh, it's Adam Sandler. But he was just kind of a quiet, you know. And so he signed, too. So I have a golf card signed. It says, like... Todd, you're awesome. Chris Farley. Todd, you're cool. Adam Sandler, or whatever. And I have it. <laughs> I've got to frame that, but I was gonna say, where do you have it? It's like in a box in here. So I gotta. Oh my gosh, gotta Marie Kondo it. would would definitely. T- you know Marie Kondo, right? Yeah. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. But yes, sparking joy and all that. She would say you gotta get it out and have it displayed. Otherwise, it's not doing. You know, you can't enjoy it if it's in a box. Oh, and I want to put it on my desk because I think it. And it's something everybody always responds to. Like I, pe- I posted it on Facebook one time, like the, the picture, and then I get random people like IM me. I get like message requests of people wanting to buy it. Oh wow! And uh, you know, I feel like sorry. Go ahead. And I'm always like, never selling it. But let's just say you had a number. <laughs> yeah, I know you're never going to sell, but how much are they offering roughly? Last guy was like 150 bucks. I'm like, are you serious? What? What? Like, what is your number that you would never sell it for? Oh, I would never sell it for five grand. Five grand. Pay off yeah. my car note. I'll take some five photocopies of like it. Good, you yeah, know. a good amount to never sell it for. Yeah. I mean, 150 or 100 or whatever you just said, that's insulting. Yes. Get out of here with that lowball offer. Chris Far- Maybe it was just his opening bid. Yeah, Chris Farley is like wishing you bad juju from heaven right now yeah. uh, for offering yeah. that, that small, petty amount. That's, that's rude. I feel like you and I handle people yelling upwardly weekly phrases at us pretty well. People mm. are always like, rate your week, rate your week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, is yeah. this going to follow me for the rest of my life? Like or that time we were out at dinner and then that guy from across the table was like, watch out for that anvil, Daniel. Watch out for that anvil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or they're always like, meow, meow. You know, and I'm like, oh, you guys, when the cats do something upworthy, we'll cover them. That's How right. many times do we have to go through this, you know? Oh, or uh, you were telling me about the time that you were, you were like at the... You were walking down the street, and every window, someone started blaring the Mariah Carey song as you walked down the street. Just like, yeah, that really does happen. <laughs> a couple was shocked after unintentionally signaling that they're swingers during a beach vacation. Todd Perry, this is a story that is close to our hearts, not mm. for the reason that some people might think from just listening to this uh early on you and i were talking about the fact that i didn't know until somewhat recently that evidently pineapples are a symbol did i teach you this or did you teach did you already know this 
I just like a lot of okay. So, sorry, I should have finished my sentence. Pineapples are a symbol that you are into the swinging lifestyle, mm-hmm. evidently. So if you have like pineapple clothing, if you have pineapple home decorations, it can you can be. Uh, some people will assume you're sending a message that you're open to swinging, which is what this couple found out. And I'm going to tell their story in a second. But this is something that you and I have talked about and joked about because I only discovered this, I feel like, very recently. And tell me, did you already know it or did I tell you? Or did you tell me? No, you told me. And then I I, I remember because I hadn't noticed it in my worldview and then it was like i saw the the swinger matrix after you explained it to me <laughs> yeah and then i've mm-hmm. whenever i see it and i think it's an obvious sign of swinging I, I text you and i send you a picture like um yeah a couple months ago at your friend's house <laughs> yeah oh by the way mike and debbie debbie listens to the show Debbie. Hi, Debbie. I sent a picture of your shower curtain to Allison <laughs> Rosen because it had a huge <laughs> pineapple on it. And now I'm going to reveal that on the show. But also, yeah. we, but also, really, really being covert with the swinging if someone has to get all the way into your bathroom before they realize it. <laughs> right. But you're right. You're right. Because, yeah, that's someone who's sending really mixed messages. So anyway, Linda and her husband, this, this was a, a, a woman named Linda made a TikTok about this situation. So Linda and her husband chose cute bathing suits with pineapples on them. Uh, and then they went away on their beach vacation and they noticed that people were being extra nice to them. And it seemed like they were like extra interested in them. Uh, and Linda and her husband didn't know what it was that they were communicating Via their cute bathing suits. Um, so yeah, placing a pineapple on your mailbox or on your front porch is a sign that a swinging party is happening. Uh, some people say that it is an upside down pineapple. I only recently heard this, that actually there's, I guess, some debate about whether it's a right side up pineapple or I guess the original, one of the original, I don't know how far back the original thing is, but at some point an original swinging symbol was to put an upside down pineapple in your shopping cart. And that would indicate something. And then someone in the story is quoted as saying that they like moved to a new town and they've been putting an upside down. They're into swinging and they've been putting an upside down pineapple in their shopping cart. And it has not led to uh, you know, an opportunity yet, but someone definitely like winked at them and was like, I see, I see what you're doing here. Mm. Um, and then also we, I have learned via this story that wearing a black ring on your right hand can indicate that you are open to meeting swingers and like if you want to, you could say to someone, oh, I see you're wearing a black ring on your right hand. Maybe we are in the same club. Ooh. See, now, this is now like how you got, you know, a pineapple pilled and then you saw it everywhere. I'm going to start noticing <laughs> black rings everywhere. Pineapple pilled. On right hand. <laughs> on right hands. Uh, you know, speaking of the, the pineapple pilling, I, I would think that if you have the upside down pineapple in... Your shopping cart. It seems to me like, I don't know, when I go out to Stater Brothers, like I'm not in the mood to be like soliciting sexual activity. I know. Is that the only place where you can do it? But I think the thing is, if you're a swinger, you have such a libido that you're mm. you're constantly open to fielding that type of thing. It's like, you know, people who pick up on people at work or like date co-workers right. or whatever. I'm always like, if I'm in a work setting, I'm at my least libidinous 
that I am during the day. So even if there was somebody I liked or I found attractive, I wouldn't be like coming on. I would. I wouldn't be in my my coming on to somebody element. You know. Right. Right. Like t- yeah. Time and <clears throat> for some people, there's a time and place, and I guess for other people, there is. There's always a time and place. Yeah. Right. Uh, until you have one of those weird dreams about someone, and then you're like, "Hmm, I'm looking at you differently." You know, I was thinking, I should, I should do this for like with my wife, and not not to start swinging, but just to see what kind of off, kind of offers we get. Try to see like yes. what's what's the market value. Like, don't right. don't tell my wife and put her in like just oh. in a, in a pineapple bikini or whatever. Like the the gal on the show, and just you know, while we're in Hawaii. See what kind of offers we get. Like if it's somebody like, oh, okay, we're looking pretty good, or mm-hmm. whoo, it's a good thing we don't swing, or else you know this would yeah. be a a bad run we'd have here in Kauai. Right, you may as yeah, you may as well see what's out there. Although I feel like in Hawaii, it's pineapples everywhere. Oh yeah, a lot of. Lot- I told you, my former dentist, his whole website, like the logo for his business, was pineapples. What was I stumbling into? <laughs> And then also, let's say you work at Dole, but no. you're into swinging. How do you let people know? It's like trying to throw out. It's like yeah, trying to throw out a trash can. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're never gonna get the message. You just have to be yeah. like, "Hey, yo, I swing," or like, "Here's a picture of my wife." Huh? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Huh? <laughs> I, I once went to a swingers bar. What? Not not with my wife though. I had heard back back when I was single, I had heard that there was a swingers bar in Norwalk, California. It's called it's closed now. I looked it up. It's called Hook's Tavern. Mm. And I, I told this to my friends. I said, We gotta stop by because I just wanna see how this works. Like Right. And, yeah. And so the three of us went and this is how stupid we are we were back then. <laughs> We each, I go, you know, if we all show up together, it's going to look weird. So we'll each show up, you know, we'll stagger ourselves and not mm-hmm. look like we know each other. So <laughs> I walk it's an in, amazing plan. I walk into the bar and I sit at the bar. And like 10 minutes later, my buddy comes and sits like two seats from me. And then another, my third buddy comes and sits like two seats from him. It's like a heist. And we all looked at each other like we don't know. We're like all the same age. Like it's <laughs> clear we just can't like. And now you're just weird. Yes. And then we all had like one drink and then got up in <laughs> 10 left. minute increments. Did anyone talk to you guys at all? No, because here's the thing. <laughs> no. Sorry. We didn't talk to each other. It was a very lonely drink. <laughs> but I looked around and here's what I noticed. At least if you're swinging Please. in Norwalk, there's a certain demographic that's there. And it was white men with Asian wives. And it, mm. it, it appeared as though that it was possibly some kind of someone got married and then came to America situation going on. Okay. Okay. And it was all, got, all couples that were like three couples and they all had the same exact thing going on. So, Interesting. Yeah. And they, they were all there. And uh Yeah. And they were all they were all sitting apart from one another too. Now then I start thinking. Wait, the the women and the men were sitting apart, or the couples were sitting the apart. Cu- those three couples, 
And uh, and like they were in gr- like two here, two here, two here, or or individuals all spread out. Uh, like it was like kind of like if you had like ten cocktail tables, uh-huh. and then they were each sitting at their own like cocktail table. Got it. Then I started thinking, okay, you're in there, and there's two other couples, and then if you just go up and like pick one couple, you're like, well, they're slightly better looking. Like we're gonna go over to them. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you probably talk to your wife, and you're like, man, that other couple's gonna feel really bad because the only action is happening between us, right? Yeah. Like right. Really acing well, that up, poor, you know. Yeah, maybe that's why it was like a a a, uh, a standstill. Yeah. A, a stalemate. Standoff. A holding pattern. <laughs> a standoff. Wait, I have I have so many. Qu- I have a lot of thoughts here. Okay. Well, it sounds like it was couple couple swinging, right? Were you were you, well, you weren't really hoping for any action. You just wanted to see what was going on, you, or were you thinking <laughs> that like they might a, a couple might pick you up or something? Mm, no, I was no, I was no, new. No. I I was there because I just was socially interested in seeing what the heck goes on at a I place see. like this. I was very interested in in seeing uh, how yeah. this plays out. I like weird scenes, you know. Right. How did you hear about it? I think I like Googled Swingers Bar. <laughs> oh wow! You yeah. went searching for it. Yeah, but. Jessica Jessica Chastain is inspiring her daughter to expand her her horizons. You can be more than just one thing. Actress Jessica Chastain usually keeps her family life private, but she understands that some stories need to be shared, and one of those is the conversation she had with her daughter. Like every parent, she asked her daughter what what she wants to be when she grows up, and her four-year-old daughter said, I want to be a mama. And she said, that's a great thing to be, but you know, you could be more than one thing. And the child did not know she had more than one option. So Chastain continued. I said, well, look at me, honey. I'm a mama. I'm an actress. I'm a producer. I'm a business owner. I'm a friend. I'm a cook. And she started listing all the different things that she's are. So she was saying, you could be a ballerina, you could be a mama, and you could be the president. You could be all these things. And I picked this story to talk about today because last week we did a story about how uh, George Takei was talking about how he would he start on like yes on the London stage at the age of eighty five, and he had no idea. He thought his career was winding down, but really it was just kept picking up. And about how people, regardless of their age, many people like Julia Childs or Rodney Dangerfield, later in life, they actually had their careers begin. So anybody out there who was listening, I'm just saying, if you feel like maybe you missed the boat on something, no, 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 no. There's still a chance to get out, get out there and do it. And I think that also this is kind of works in reverse. It's like some people, as they're young, they're raised to have kind of narrow horizons. Mm-hmm. And especially, I imagine being a woman, uh, you know, you can just be a mom, or you could, you know, you you cannot ask for much more than that. Your your simple job is child rearing and reproduction. Um, nobody cut that up into a drop, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or the idea that you have to choose. Yeah, and I think Jessica Chastain is saying, "Look, there's," and it's really interesting to think about. You know, the 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 longer we live the more common it is for people to have multiple careers. 
I, I feel like most people at this point, they were one thing, they become something else. They do a lot of things at once. We're all sort of multi-hyphenates in some way. Um, so yeah, that's like, it really is a good idea, I think, to have that conversation young that yes, you can be a, a mommy and you can be this and you can be that. But boy, Jessica Chastain loves herself some Jessica Chastain, doesn't it seem that way? It does. It does. I mean, she has no problem rattling off all of the things she's doing. Look at all the things I'm producing. I am a. Yeah. She should have said. She should have said. You know what, honey? You could be a multi hyphenate. <laughs> but and then I was thinking on a deeper level, and this is a discussion I had many times on the "What's This Dow All About" podcast. And when kind of in the, the Taoist philosophy we talked about on the show is that. Uh, the the key in life is actually to remove the labels you place on yourself or the identities, and therefore you could live more free. When when people mm-hmm. really buy into owning an identity, whether that's a religious thing or a political thing or whatever, it ends up limiting them. You know, and I would say, you know, no no better way to take a regularly intelligent person and turn them into a idiot than holding really uh, uh, really clinging to some kind of identity and backing it even when it gets ridiculous. You know. Um, and then, you know, in the end, we should really just strive, our identity is to be ourselves in, in the end and be the best yes. Allison you, be the best Allison you could be, you know? That's right. Yes. Yes. I'm a swinger. Yes. Oh. I'm a mom. Yes. I'm, I mean, that's, these are just parts of me. Right. Or people define themselves. And no one make that into a drop. Or people define themselves by their career, you know? And then what happens mm-hmm. when they lose their job or whatever? They become very depressed or that's who I yes. was. I put on that, that uniform was me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when maybe if they would have developed a different attitude towards it or sense of it, uh, they would be able to move on to different things. Or that identity saying, I am this, also can keep you from uh, finding different opportunities in life. Right. I mean, isn't... Is it a Buddhist saying that, or, or or philosophy that like pain comes from attachment or from desire? Yes. Is that Taoist as well? Uh, the desire can cause some pain, but it's not like it's not the source of all things. It's like right having the correct balance of desire would be the the Taoist way of looking at it. Like sometimes de- desire is great and beneficial, and sometimes it's not. Hmm. Yes. Hard-hitting but show, yeah, that I one agree. was. Sometimes this is this, and sometimes that is not. <laughs> right. You know, and then, the, hey, whatever. Whatever works for you. Whatever floats your boat. Is that like, is that a Taoist saying, whatever floats your boat? Yes, but in Chinese. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, tra- I translated it. Yeah. But. Actually, no, there's actually yes. a very big thing called the empty boat, which is a very moving uh, piece of writing. And everyone could look that up. Chong says the empty boat. Um Anyway. Is it as good as when you dropped some literature on us the other day? What, what was the literature? I don't know. You said something and you're like, and that is good writing. <laughs> and it was something you had written. Oh, yeah. Or you're like, and yeah. that is literature. Or that, I, I can't remember if you called it writing or literature, but regardless, it mm. was pretentious. Yeah. But, but beautiful. But, you know, I have down here, you know, professionally I work as a writer, but I don't use that as part of my identity because... To quote Dr. Hunter S. Thompson, uh, who said, I'm a writer because I have neither a taste for honest labor nor poverty. (laughs) That's so true.
it's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison Rosen on a scale of one through five. One being absolutely terrible. Five being Jessica Chastain's opinion of herself. Rate your week. (laughs) I'm going to give this week... I'm going to give it a... Boy, I feel like to get... No, I'm going to give it a a 3.5. I know it's just been a cascade of a preponderance of 3.5s. I was tempted to give it a four, but I'm saving a four for something. I mean, emotionally, I feel a little better, so I feel a little bit four. But really, when the scientists get together and they measure my week, they're going to give it a 3.5. It was busy. Um, I had some decent shows. I went down to Orange County and went to a doctor's appointment with my dad on um, Monday, which required moving. It was sort of a last minute thing, and it required like moving things around to make that work which was stressful but i was glad that i was able to go um i think like relatively reassuring news but still i'm it, it to give away his uh it he has two different cardiologists both of whom are giving him like very different information yeah. so this one had good information <laughs> I, don't, oh, good- I don't know how what to make of the yeah i don't know what to make of the fact that they're they're saying two different things yeah and and then I was talking to a friend whose mom's cardiologist had like three different cardiology opinions from three different cardiologists. So maybe this is a cardiology thing. I don't know. It seems weird that you can have that many different opinions. I feel like he needs a tiebreaker. But um, and then uh, my mother-in-law's in town. She came a day early. <clears throat> we just received a text at nine thirty in the morning on my way, and oh. Daniel and I are both like, "What? <laughs> we thought you were coming the next day." Um, but it actually worked out like sort of well, uh, and the kids are delighted. So yeah, so that was my week. It just, it was fine. She do your laundry? She's been doing Daniel's laundry. Yeah. No, I do, I do my own laundry, but she loves to do Daniel's laundry. She loves it. Are you a better person than you were last week? Mm, I feel like I am. And now I'm trying to think of a reason why. Um, you have a look of self-satisfaction. I know. It's weird. From, from whence springs this smugness? What have I possibly done to warrant thinking I'm a little bit better? I'm trying to think if there's even a 10% improvement in any area. Um, no. Yeah, you know why I'm I'm better? Because I have un, just unwarranted self confidence. Oh wow, that's that how, seems great. How'd you get that? I don't know. It just it just appeared right now. So that must mean I'm doing something right. <laughs> maybe, maybe no. You know what? Maybe we all walk around with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's actually actually I am a better person. Because I had a long therapy session wherein I just bawled my eyes out oh, wow. and really like went into some like anticipatory grief I'm feeling about being concerned about my about losing my dad. Mm. Although I want to repeat, like 
There's no date on the calendar. I don't know. It's not like he's like, it's not, nothing's imminent. Um, so I don't know. But that's part of the confusion of it is just not knowing. But anyway, like I had a good hard therapy. <laughs> good hard that makes it sound like I was like doing a marathon or something but, <laughs> but you know I, I, f- I fearlessly went there in a therapy session so I obviously that must I must be a better person otherwise what a waste of money I really went hard at talking about myself for 50 <laughs> minutes <laughs> Todd mm. what about you on a scale of one to five one being the sound of Anne Hathaway's mouth and then five and the other thing i wanted to um, quickly say is that in my opinion the language of hatred begins with the self thank you no offense to anne hathaway we all get dry mouth sometimes and five being finding an escalator an elevator and a roller coaster in the back of your closet how was your week uh, i'm gonna give it a three uh, it's pretty mm. uneventful kind of and uh, but the, the the most notable thing was I went to the movies the other night and I saw that the movie The Fablemans, the new Steven Spielberg movie. Oh yes! And mm. I went to go see it because I guess it's like bombing. Like Steven Spielberg's movie, which is very <laughs> very good, is like bombing at the box office because people don't go to movies anymore. And mm-hmm. I really thought it was a lovely lovely film about his life growing up and his dreams and reminded me as a kid like getting all your friends out there with the camcorder and getting them to beat each other up and putting fake blood on them. <laughs> and it ends, I won't, no spoilers, but the last five minutes of the movie is one of the most joyous moments I've had in a movie in a movie theater in quite some time. Really? So uh, great review for the Fablemans. And so that was cool part of my week. I have, that's interesting. I, yeah, I've heard it's not great. So you're saying, um, you're saying don't listen to those reviews. Go to Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, it's like ninety four percent fresh. So I don't know what kind of that? snobby film nerds you're speaking with, but uh, I found it delightful. Delightful. And are you a better person? No, I am clearly not a better person. Mm. And my wife, they had like friends miss for my wife's friends and families, mm-hmm. and um, I, my wife's best friend made me a, what's called a Grinch martini and I didn't really know what was in it but I had one uh-huh. and then I had two and I don't know how this thing I couldn't it had so much stuff in it that I didn't understand how mm-hmm. strong it was and I think I right. got a little too intoxicated which at 45 oh, is not a good look Mm-mm. and it, I wasn't like rude or obnoxious I just like at a certain point, my wife had to like tap me on the shoulder because I kept showing my buddy Ray pictures of my my bruised foot because I hurt my foot. <laughs> and she's like, "You already showed him the photo of your foot." And I was like, "Oh, okay, okay, I'm cool." And but I was just like, "Look how, how black my toe is." You know, it was just that kind of thing where it was really inappropriate. Like I. I, but I didn't know. I didn't know, and I I, I should have gone for a second one, and I did it, and then and then also you get me like spouting off pointless statistics, it's like apropos of nothing, like where everyone's playing like a card game, and I'm like, actually, violent crime is a lot lower than people assume these days. Just 
because I'm a wealth of knowledge from all the upworthy stories. And so <laughs> the next morning I just woke up and I was like, man, I just, I just, I don't know. And like, I'm just waiting all day for my wife to say something like, eh, want another Grinch martini, Todd? You know? And so I, <laughs> I felt really bad about that. So that, that made me a worse person because I shouldn't let it get that far mm. to embarrass myself. And then uh, I screwed up as a parent this week twice. I forgot to pick, I forgot it was early dismissal for my kid the other day. Oh. And I, I got a photo of my kid sent by my neighbor going, I found a Declan at school. And I was like, oh, God. And um, I was supposed to quiz my kid on his spelling words today, and I forgot. And so, yes, I've been a subpar parent this week. So here's to next week with me getting my life together. And, and now, It'll be much improved. And now, okay, so the thing is, before we go, I have tonight another uh, – Christmas thing that I got to go to with friends. Not that I got to. I enjoy these people. And Mike and Debbie with the pineapple will be there. But oh, so I was good luck. I was thinking to myself. I say, okay, I'm really. I was really psyching myself up this morning. So I go. I know the Grinch martinis are going to be back because everybody wants to see me embarrass myself again. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I gotta. I so gotta like have you brought some, joy. Yeah, I gotta have some. You know, it's everybody's joy. You love it. Everybody loves it. Yeah. Um, it's a gift. So I gotta have some self control. Thank Allison Rosen for spending her time with me today on the show. So thank you, Allison. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like what do you have for me today? Satan. <laughs>